Hey folks, thanks for tuning in. Today is episode 34, titled, Jesus Calls Matthew and Eats with Sinners. So there's two topics that kind of fall under this subsection of Scripture. Um, it's not only about Jesus calling Matthew, but it's also Jesus being questioned about eating and reclining with sinners. And of course, we'll dive in. But per the usual, Jesus has a brilliant response and gives us insight into his ministry. So today we'll run into more translation issues, just a heads up which drives the point home to make sure we understand everything, right? Multiple translation, original manuscripts, it's vital, right? So let's dive in. Matthew chapter 9, verse 9 through 13 says, As Jesus passed on from there, he saw a man called Matthew sitting at the tax booth, and he said to him, Follow me. And he rose and followed him. And as Jesus reclined at the table in the house, behold, Many tax collectors and sinners came and were reclining with Jesus and his disciples. And when the Pharisees saw this, they said to the disciples, Why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? But when he heard it, he said, Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. Go and learn what this means. I desire mercy and not sacrifice. For I came not to call the righteous, but to sinners. But sinners, rather. So let's talk about translation issues really quick. The Orthodox Christian Bible says sinners to repentance. The Catholic Bible, which is the Douay-Rheims Bible, says sinners. The ESV says sinners. And the KJV says sinners to repentance. Now, if you look at, if you look at how this set of verses compares to other parts of Scripture, sinners to repentance is more accurate. Okay, because Jesus didn't just call sinners. All right, all right. everybody who tries to live a righteous life, they're going to hell. And everybody who sins and keeps sinning and doesn't repent, you're going to heaven. That's not the story, right? That's not, that's not what it means, and that would be taking it out of context. So we have to make sure we're understanding. He didn't just call sinners arbitrarily. He's calling sinners to repentance, and repentance is key. And we know this because it's the first instruction in the Gospel of Matthew and Mark. Repent, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. That's the gospel of Matthew. And the gospel of Mark says, repent and believe in the gospel. So we got to cross compare everything with scripture and use to, scripture to interpret scripture. Let's see what some commentaries are saying. The following information was taken from an early church father commentary, Augustine of Hippo. Luke adds to repentance, excuse me, to repentance which explains the sense that none should suppose that sinners are loved by Christ because they are sinners. And this comparison of the sick shows what God means by calling sinners, as a physician does the sick to be saved from their iniquity as from a sickness, which is done by penitence. So, brilliant observation, great observation by Augustine of Hippo, and he drives the point home yet again of comparing the synoptic gospels with one another. And, of course, of course, the Gospel of John as well, right? <clears throat> so we have to use Scripture to interpret Scripture, like we mentioned. Jesus didn't just call sinners because they were sinners. And, no, and like Augustine of Hippo said, nobody should think that sinners are loved by Christ because they are sinners. That is foolishness. Paul Washer, I'm not a huge... I'm not a huge fan of evangelical Protestant circles because there's so much... There's so many falsehoods being taught, but there are a few here and there. Vodi Bauckham being a decent one. 
pretty pretty dang good too. He swings a hard hammer. And Paul Washer says some really good stuff. And the point Paul Washer makes regarding what Augustine of Hippo said is imagine Jesus loves you being on the side of Noah's Ark while everyone's drowning. So that should put things into perspective, right? This whole this whole garbage walking up to people all the time. Jesus loves you. This I know. You know, Paul makes a good point. Walk, if you walk up to someone who hasn't given their life to Christ and you tell them Jesus loves you, they're gonna, they could very well say, wow, that's great because I love me too. And then you could go on to say, Jesus has got a plan for your life. Oh, that's fantastic because I have a plan for my life too. So it's the dangers of, it's the dangers of evangelical tactics. It's the dangers. And we've gone over commentaries. I think it was two, two episodes ago. It might have been episode 32. I can't remember. But we talked about it. The evangelical pitfalls. We're enlisting in the Lord's army. Right? That's what we're doing. We're enlisting in the Lord's army fighting against spiritual, fighting a spiritual battle and against evil. So let's toughen up here. You know, for Christians, let's take this thing, let's take this thing serious. Jesus calls sinners to repentance, and we know this because the first set of instructions in his ministry is repentance, like we talked about, right? The following information was taken from David Guzik's commentary. Go and learn what this means. I desire mercy and not sacrifice. Here Jesus quoted Hosea 6.6. In Hosea's day, God's people were still good at bringing sacrifices. That's Hosea 5.6. But they had forsaken mercy, and they abandoned mercy because they gave up the knowledge of God and truth. Hosea 4.1. God would rather have right hearts full of truth and mercy rather than sacrifice. So it would be fitting here to differentiate between blood sacrifice and sacrificing our time and effort to grow in Christ. And that seems self-evident, but it's got to be pulled apart. We have to talk about these things, right? Because before you know it, you have someone thinking they don't have to sacrifice their time and effort to, to give of themselves to Jesus Christ. And that's not the case, right? He wants, well, first of all, the greatest command is to love God first with all your heart, mind, and soul. So he wants your heart, mind, and soul. He wants to be the seat of your affections and desires, right? He wants our time and effort. He wants us to invest in a relationship with him. And that requires sacrifice. Now, you're not sacrificing a goat, but you're sacrificing parts of yourself, so it's an abstraction of sacrifice, right? So what we need to do is we need to love him with every fiber of our being and apply time and effort into doing that, right? The following information was taken from Matthew Henry's commentary. The gospel call is a call to repentance, a call to us to change our minds and to change our ways. If the children of men had not been sinners... There had not been a need for Christ to come among them. Let us examine whether or not we have found out our sickness and have learned to follow the directions of our great physician. Well, that's that's a spicy commentary. That's a great one. First of all, like we mentioned, and Matthew Henry pulls it out, the gospel call is a call to repentance. It's the first set of instructions in Matthew and Mark. And I know I've said that like three times, but it needs to be said. And it's not just a one-time thing. Being a Christian is continual repentance, period. Continual repentance. And we need to update our minds to learn what sin is and change our ways. And 
he didn't call people who were righteous according to their own definition by just merely being hearers rather than doers, which is what the Pharisees were. He called sinners to repentance because he was there to salvage souls, right? Judgment's coming, but he came to save first. Now he's given people time to repent, and then that hammer's coming. So we need to take all of these things seriously, right? And we need to figure out if we found out our sickness or not. Where are we sinful? What parts of you need to go and burn off like dead wood? What parts have to go? Have we followed all the directions of our great physician? Because there's a lot of instruction in the New Testament in relationship to the Old Testament. And yes, we still have to follow the Ten Commandments. So, have we found out our sickness? Are we following directions? Are we being obedient? Are we abiding in God's love the way we're supposed to? Daily, daily we should be asking those questions. All right, let's summarize today. Seven short summaries. Number one, we need to cross-compare different translations. I can't stress this enough, okay? I like, I personally think it's a good idea. Orthodox Bible, Catholic Bible, KJV, and ESV. And there's other, like I've mentioned before, there's a certain scholars have gone through the different translations based on readability and formality. So stick with conservative early versions of the Bible and then you you know pick one for readability and then just cross compare three to five versions of the Bible, right? So cross compare different translations and get in the Greek and Hebrew manuscripts as much as you can because that's the actual Bible. When we read it in English, what we read in English is not the Bible. That is an English translation of the Bible. So let's read the actual Bible as often as we can, right? That would make sense. Summary number two. We need to cross-compare all four Gospels. The first three are the Synoptic Gospels, and then the Gospel of John is a Gospel, but it's not a Synoptic one. Summary three. Christ came to call sinners to repentance. He didn't just call sinners because they were sinners. Jesus does not love sinners because they are sinners. Right? Just like the early church father, Augustine of Hippo, mentioned in his commentary. And what Paul Washer talks about, let's not be foolish. Imagine Jesus loves you being on the side of the ark while everybody's drowning because of their wickedness and sin. Hell is coming. Judgment is coming. And if people are lukewarm, they are going to be vomited from our Lord's mouth. So let's get hot with the quickness, right? Our souls depend on it. Number four, Christ wants mercy over blood sacrifice, right? When mercy, forgiveness, grace, and mercy are all kind of wrapped up together, right? So in order to receive we need to give, right? In order to be forgiven, we need to forgive others. So the same thing goes with mercy. In order to receive mercy, we need to be merciful to others. Mercy triumphs over judgment. But again, the judgment there would be condemnation. Mercy triumphs over condemnation, which is to render something reprehensible, reprehensible and to punish it, right? So very few situations call for Christian punishment. And Paul does talk about that. And Christian punishment should be reserved for people who are perverting intentionally or unintentionally negatively influencing the church culture and they refuse to repent well it's well you got to go and and paul absolutely handed people over to satan and he says it and it was gnosticism specifically if i remember correctly in my studies that paul there are people teaching gnosticism in the church and people and paul kicked him out and he said you're out of here i'm handing you over to satan it's no joke folks we got to take this seriously Quit sissifying Jesus and, and protect the bride of Christ. Number five, Christ wants us to sacrifice our time and effort to grow as Christians. It's vital. 
Okay, number six, repentance is threefold. To feel contrition, that's for us being feeling sorry for being dirtbags when we sin. And number two, to update our minds what sin is, because ignorance is a sin by itself, so we need to learn, less be less ignorant every day and learn what sin is, so we can turn away from it and make an amendment to our life. You can't stop sinning if you don't know what sin is. So for anybody to think they don't need to learn what sin is, and I'm forgiven, I don't need to love, hashtag blessed and grace. Well, what about the whole repentance and righteousness thing? So, okay, so you have to know what sin is to turn away from it. So let's let's get on that, right? That's our goal. Our goal is to honor and glorify our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and to love him with all our heart, mind, and soul, and to abide in his love by being obedient to his commandments and obeying his word. Okay, let's take this stuff serious, guys. He's Lord. He's the maker of heaven and earth, right? Christianity is not about us. It's about Jesus. It's about Jesus serving him, loving him first. It's all about God. It ain't about us. And that's the narcissistic prosperity gospel, to claim that Christianity is about receiving prosperous blessings from the Lord. No, it's not. It's about serving and commissioning in the Lord's army to salvage souls and to prevent people from eternal torment and damnation. It's not a joke. It's not a joke. Last one, number seven. St. Ambrose said, true repentance is to cease from sin. That's another early church father and theologian. So again, that matches the dictionary definition and it matches everything in Scripture to include the purpose of grace. All right? The purpose of grace is to bring about the obedience of faith. And faith is allegiance to duty, fidelity of one's promises, sincere intentions, trust, conviction, action, and obedience with a splash of holy fervor. All right? So if there's anything, again, we memorize, it's, it's very simple. You can summarize Christianity in as what it means to be a Christian as repentance, grace, faith. If you fully articulate those three ideas, I mean, you're going to abide in, in God's love. You're going to automatically. So, repentance, grace, faith. Know them, memorize them. All aspects. Dictionary definitions and biblical definitions. That's all we've got for today, folks. I hope everyone has a great day. Fight the good fight. God bless.